Welcome to Get Your Book Done. I'm your host, Christine Closer, a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author, award-winning publisher, and book writing coach to thousands. I love helping aspiring nonfiction authors write, publish, and promote their best books because there's nothing more powerful than writing a book to transform your life, your readers' lives, your business, and ultimately the world with your message. So let's get started. Welcome to today's episode. I am so excited about this topic, as you saw probably in the promotion that got you here to this episode today, is we're talking about how to sell thousands of books at once. And I have with me Brian Judd, who is the Executive Director of the Association of Publishers for Special Sales, also known as APSS. Now, Brian is one of those authors. I mean, he authored his first book 29 years ago in 1991, before Amazon, before Kindle, before CreateSpace, before all of that. He is a veteran in this industry. And he became an expert in special sales, which we'll be talking about. You'll have an understanding of what that is, what it means, and how you can use special sales to sell thousands of books at once. But Brian learned this by his own experience as an author. I think he will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's published five books sort of in his previous career and then a couple more on this specific topic, like how to make real money selling books without worrying about returns. And, uh, oh, Brian, what's the name of the other one? The Beyond the Bookstore. Beyond, Was it? Beyond the Bookstore. Beyond the Bookstore. That's it. Along with eight ebooks. I mean, this is a man who knows his stuff, and he has indeed been personally responsible for helping himself and others sell thousands of books at once. So, welcome, Brian. I'm so glad you're here today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Christine. Thanks for inviting me. In, you know, I always like to start my podcast finding out how would you end up in this world of authorship, <laughs> like childhood dream, lightning bolt moment. What got you here? Probably more the lightning bolt moment in the sense I was in the corporate world and in, in marketing positions and got laid off a couple of times in, in a row. And then I decided if I'm insecure in the corporate world, I might as well be insecure on my own. So I start my own business. And I thought, you know, what can I do? How, how hard could it be to write a book? <laughs> and I had a lot of experience in, in marketing, but also a lot of experience in getting a job. And I combined those and wrote uh, Job Search 101, my first book that was about combining the principles of marketing to the job search or applying those to the job search. So that's what I... Uh, I started built a, a product line, built a business on that uh, that same concept. So brilliant! I love this. Too often, I think that authors sometimes struggle to like find this thing that they're supposed to be writing about. When <laughs> yeah. really, if you just look at your life and you look at your experience and you look at what you know and what you've learned and the challenges you faced and how you overcame them, like it's right there. And for a lot of people, myself certainly included we bridge this gap between this part of my life and this part of my life, like applying marketing to the job search. I mean, brilliant. And, yeah. you know, as they say, off to the races from their book number one it back was. in 1991. So I guess it's a good thing you got laid off a few times. Yeah. Lost your job a few times. <laughs> it's, more, it's exactly what I, what I wrote about also that in retrospect, it can be a real benefit. And that's really applies to almost anything. We get rejected a lot as, a, as an author. And in retrospect, there are some positive benefits to that if you learn from it and, and build upon it. So, yeah, it's, it was very helpful to me. 
Yes, always a silver lining. And I think it's so <laughs> important for us, especially in this world that we're living in in 2020 with everything that's going on on so many different levels, so many fronts, that it is so important to keep that silver lining in mind. So I, you know, I know I didn't ask you to talk about silver lining, but you kind of brought it up. Uh, So just want to put an exclamation mark on that for those of you listening to just remember that even now, like how hard as it might be, as challenging as it may be, as much as we're looking to really see, you know, some change in this world, there's got to be a silver lining. I agree. So anyway. All right. So now onto our topic of how to sell thousands of books at once. Um, And I mentioned this word earlier, special sales, that you are truly an expert, obviously the executive director of APPS, the Association of Publishers for Special Sales. So can we begin with you defining for our listeners, what do you mean when you say special sales? That's a great question to start off with because when I talk to people about that, they, that's the first thing they ask me. And and it's non-bookstore marketing. And then they say, well, what's non-bookstore? <laughs> it's, it's, it's something that uh, – actually, I, I break it down in two different uh, segments, uh, Christine. One is retail and one's non-retail, ways of sell books. And retailing includes bookstores, includes airport stores, supermarkets, includes uh, discount stores. The non-retail is corporations, associations, schools, and so forth. They each buy for different reasons and, and different different procedures for that. But I think that the first place to, to really decide how to do that is to define your target reader. And I use the, the, the five W's, who, what, where, when, why. And one of those particularly is, is the where. where. Where do your target reader shop? And that's where you need to have your books. And if they are family shopping in supermarkets, well, maybe they aren't going to go. They aren't going to go to bookstores. They'll go to supermarkets. Or if people are, are business people flying or families flying, they'll go to air, when things change. Uh, they'll go to airport stores. So the critical thing is to find out who your buyers are and where do they shop, and that's where you have your books. So instead of just thinking the bookstore is the only place to sell books, think about all these other outlets, all the other opportunities in which to sell books, but it all goes back to your target readers, target buyers, and where do they shop or, or work? You know, I'm just thinking like back in the day when I used to be able to go to the car wash and get out of my car and go inside, you know, to where they have the little gift shop and stuff. I remember this was years ago. Like I'd be at this, you know, car wash. This is back when I lived in LA and there were like books. It's sort of, I mean, a little random, if I will, but it's like someone did what it took to get their book into that car wash gift shop yeah. when they had nothing to do but like hang out for 20 minutes. And I'm sure that it was a great way to sell books. So this is what you're talking about when you're saying, would that be considered retail then? That example of the car wash gift shop? Yeah, retail is basically if you're going through a distributor, the same as selling through a bookstore, Christina, you get a distributor. The books are returnable. If they don't sell, the books are sold off the shelf or, or in the car wash in a gift store or something. Sure, that, that would be a, an example of that. And so in retail, you're selling one book at a time. So you have to remember yeah. that uh, that the, the retailer may purchase in, in larger quantities, but that's primarily from a distributor or a wholesaler. But you're still selling to one person, one book to one person. So if you want to sell 10,000 books, you have to find 10,000 people to each buy one. Yes. On a non-retail side, you want to you can get one person to buy ten thousand. That's my <laughs> that's, that's my direction. 
Sweet. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But before we do, I want to um, reverse for a moment because you sure. talked about returnable and non-returnable. Can you just explain, you know, how it works? Because there's, I mean, there's a lot of authors that I know they cringe. I know cr I cringed when I heard about returnables and that sometimes the books just end up like literally being shred and recycled. And can you just talk about returnable versus non-returnable for a moment? And then we'll, Certainly. then we'll dig into the one person buying 10,000. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the non-returnable, I mean, the returnable is primarily in retail. You think that uh, bookstores, supermarkets, airport stores, discount stores, gift shops, they don't sell books. They display books. It's up to the author to, to do that. So what they want to do is, is increase their profits. So they, they, if you if you can convince them to get your book on their shelf, then they'll, they'll try it. But if it doesn't have good inventory turns or, or give them the profit that they need, they take it off and put a different book up there. And then they send that book back to, to, to you to, or to the distributor and for full credit. So that's, uh, that's the key. If the author is not out there making the books, having the books fly off the shelf, that the, they'll send them back. So they have strict goals for profitability, inventory turns, and what they want, they want store traffic. They want to get people in there. So the more that the author is promoting, then the less returns they get. But that, that key is that if your book doesn't sell to their requirements, it comes back. And it could be in any, uh, any form, in a sense that I've had books back with coffee rings on it that people use it as a coaster in the, ca in the cafe or uh, the... Uh, dog ear or whatever that one one point that uh, I, I did learn from that though that i couldn't resell those books but i used those to send to radio shows if they asked for a, a copy of the book i would send those damaged copies to the radio show obviously letting them know why it was damaged but it was something that when you get it back you have to give full credit to the retailer for that regardless of the condition in which it's returned that kind of stinks. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's why I learned quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, when yeah, I first started that, I, I thought you sell books through bookstores, and I learned about returns and and sixty five percent distribution discounts and uh, one hundred and twenty day payment periods. I thought there's got to be a better way, and that's what led me to the non retail side of it. So, tell us how you got into the non retail side. Like, let's hear from your story, and then I'd love for you to share some tips and you know how someone might be able to determine. You know, if they want to do this, what might be some next steps for them to do? Sure, great question. The the first thing I did is when I found out I didn't I didn't like returns, is I asked an important question and who else needs the the content of my book? And that's it's I learned very quickly to, if I stop selling my books, I'll sell more of them. You're selling what the book does for the readers, and I found out that people wanted a job, and so I thought, where could I find people who want a job? And one of the first things that led me to was colleges, that every year there's 1.5 million uh, college graduates. So that was a fairly stable market. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that uh, if I can reach these people. So then I, I started, I bought a mailing list you know, before the Internet and sold 3,500 books to you know, 3,500 uh, career development officers at, at these four-year colleges. So right off the within a month, I sold 3,500 books. Each bought That's one. That's way better than one here, one there, yeah, one here, and all the work it takes to sell that one, and then risk getting it back with a coffee stain on it. That's right. Thirty five hundred sounds like a much better deal. It was. It was uh, very good. And then uh, a couple other lessons came from that, Christine. They're really important. The one that uh, form doesn't matter. Again, you're selling your content, and I learned that 
students don't want to buy books. They don't want to spend money. And so I, I took the chapters out and made books on resumes and booklets on resumes and cover letters and interviewing and so forth. So I found that the form is not as important because they're, they want to buy the information. So looked at the, in, in the non-retail side, you're solving problems. And the problem was the schools wanted a higher number of students graduating with the job. The students wanted information without paying for it. And I wanted to make some money. <laughs> so I, I, I sold it, these booklets to the colleges who gave to the students. And if they bought 10,000 of them, I printed their name, their, their college name on, on the cover. But nice. one thing that's, that I learned from that also is that it's a totally different way to look at pricing because I was in larger quantities selling these books 10,000 at a time, booklets 10,000. I was making a dime each, you know, 10 cents each. But over the course of a couple of years, I sold uh, 2 million of them. So wow. it's, you make a dime each and times 2 million, <laughs> it, it adds up. So it's a totally different way of looking at, at the the pricing of your book. People look at it now that, they, well, I, I put in two years for buying, for writing this book, and I, I have to make at least $5 a book off it. And people aren't, aren't going to pay that. When they buy in large quantities, they, they discount it significantly. So I learned that pricing is very important. And secondly, that the form is not important in the sense that they're looking for the content. So they got the, the students got the content in the form of a booklet. I made the, a couple of changes in it. And sold it to state governments. I went to the state government here and, and to show them the booklets. And they said, that was great. So when every pe people signed up for their unemployment benefits, they got a shrink-wrapped packet of, my, of eight booklets that they get for free. The states obviously buy, uh, purchased them. And I, I did a video called The Art of Interviewing and sold that to the state governments. And they, people signed up for their unemployment benefits. They got the packet of booklets and they had to watch my video. So I did that in Connecticut, and I, saw that, I took that to other states <laughs> and just uh, sold that. And, and then, again, you're asking again about, uh, I'm asking, the, the solving problems. So I thought, who wants a student to get a job more than the student does? Well, the parents. And so I got a list of the, the uh, parents of graduating college seniors, sent a direct mail package to them, and did somewhat of a rollout. I put a little teaser on the envelope, and started in Connecticut, did that, and then I saw which teaser worked better than I did it in New England, and which teaser worked better, and then I did a national mailing. But uh, I sold well over 10,000 books each each year. Just uh, Well, actually, it was a packet. as a, as a bundle of two books and a video. They got the art of interviewing and two uh, job search books that I had written, sold those to the parents. And you know, they're, they're, they were paying $69, $79 for these, this bundle because they wanted to get the kids out of the house. So it's, I was solving that problem for them. So I'm hearing a few key things. First of all, how important it is to really connect with who else could benefit from this book. And second of all, to like really allow yourself as an author to get creative and to be persistent, right? It's not like, you know, you got these orders, you know, 2 million books over the course of a few years, a couple hundred thousand dollars dropping on your head just because, you know, you thought about it. You, right. like you did the legwork. Oh, yeah. Whether it's through the direct mail or, you know, establishing these relationships at the state level or the, you know, different corporations, colleges, you know, that could purchase your books. So, Aside from, let's say, really being focused on solving the problem, 
being, uh, you know, creative in terms of the ways that you could do that and then persistent. I've heard you talk before about how important it is to, org- you know, make sure that you're organizing and marketing to people in various groups. Exactly right. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, sure. That's that's a critical point too, Christine, that when you define your target reader, that, uh, that you want to find out where they're shopping, obviously, and how they buy. If you think of a a children's book. So you, you might have a book for, for kids and the kids aren't going to be the ones purchasing it, obviously, but you want to find out where people can use your information. So it could be children's libraries, children's hospitals, it could be daycare centers, it could be PTAs, it could be uh, homeschooling, it could be toy stores, uh, it could be airport stores and supermarkets. So you want to find out each of, each of these segments I just named all buy for different reasons. The gift shop buyer in children's hospitals buying different for different reasons than a toy store or for a daycare center. So if you're putting your, your buyers in these different groups and segments and you market to them in different ways. The retailers, you have to get a distributor. If you're going to toy stores, you need a wholesaler or a distributor. You can sell directly to the homeschool market through associations. You can sell directly, uh, get PTAs to uh, use your book as a fundraiser. So the more that you can organize your group, your, your buyers in those segments, that's, that's a critical part of it. That's really important. And that led me also to the international segment that I found out there was no book in the Hispanic, for the Hispanic marketplace about job search. So I had my book translated into, uh, into Spanish and I sold another uh, thousands of copies of it there through, <laughs> through wholesalers. That was actually very challenging. Because I, I didn't speak Spanish, and I, I couldn't do the promotion. I had to really rely on the uh, on the, the uh, wholesaler and distributors to go out and sell that for me. But it did did very well because there was I, I found that niche in which there was no competition, and then uh, created the, the product for it. So that's another uh, real good benefit. That, that just while you're looking for niches and segments, find those where the, there is not a competitive product, and that could be really a good way to increase sales. Fantastic. I'm sure we've got some people listening right now who are like, okay, I never knew that I could sell, you know, whatever, 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 copies to one buyer and have them be non-returnable, you know, and just like make a lot of money and impact a lot of lives in that kind of a strategy. So this is very eye-opening. I have a feeling for some of our listeners Okay. So for those who are having their eyes opened right now and like, oh my gosh, like I want to do that with my book. Where like where does someone start? What do they do? And I want you to talk, number one, about how they might start on their own. But then I also want you to talk a little bit about how you help people do this. So let's educate the ones who are like the self-started, you know, go-getter, motivated, gonna do it on their own. And then let's also make sure people understand that there's there's a way to get help. Great. Okay. If you look at the non-retail part of it, that is, uh, let me take a step back. I think if people want to start in special sales, a good place to start would be in retail because you get a distributor, get somebody like uh, ReaderLink would be a good distributor who would take your book to airport stores or supermarkets for discount stores. Uh, so you get the one company that can take you to all these places. So all you, you could focus on the promotion and get the distributor to work for it. But then you're, you have to consider returns and, and distribution discounts. On the other side, on the non-retail, look at several different, again, segments. You have the corporate or or business segment. You have associations. You have schools, military, government agencies. 
So you find out where your content is most needed and go there and find out for the job search, for example. Actually, my job search book, I got a, a call from a prison librarian one time and they said they'd like to buy my, my book. And I said, why? <laughs> I didn't say why, but why? I said, well, we have prisoners that get out of prison. We want to make sure that they know how to get a job. And I never would have thought of that. Mm. So I went, uh, I sold 1,500 books to other prison libraries. And I thought, who else is in that same situation? That the military, they've been there for a limited amount of time and they want they need to get a job when they get out. And the, the spouse is, is changing jobs every couple of years. So I sold another thousands of books to the, to the military. So I think that it start, goes back to your definition of your, your content, who can use it, and what problems do they have that you can solve. And if you can go to any of these people, the, an association, that there are 120,000 associations, but you can find out those that are uh, uh, similar to your, your cause, that your cause is, their cause is similar to your content, and help them solve their problems. A membership share wants to increase or maintain membership. So they can buy your book to give to people who renew their membership or join the association. They get a free copy of your book, perhaps with their logo on the cover. The newsletter editor may be able to excerpt from your book and then they could resell it to their members. And so you have your book in their bookstore. But that's where you're finding out how you can help them increase their sales. But getting back to your original question about how, how you start out, what I would do is do a search on the Encyclopedia of Association or Manta, M-A-N-T-A dot com, a list of businesses, which you can sort by geography or by industry. And then find out those that are most likely to, to need your content and then prioritize them, A, B, and C. The A's are people that could buy the 10,000 or more books at a time. And then the B's could be good. And the C's are people that probably would not buy a large quantity and maybe just uh, just purchased in, 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 a, in a large in any quantity, but they're not really good top prospects. So what I did, uh, Christine, is I started selling to my C prospects first, hmm. just to to uh, find out what objections would come up, to get more comfortable in talking about my 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 books. And I learned how to ask a question. You know, if you were to hire somebody right now, what are the, what are the top three things you would want that person to do in the first ninety days? I want the person to do A, B, and C. Well, those are their hot buttons. So I learned how to ask those questions that would help me solve their problems. Then I went to my B prospects, <laughs> then my C prospects, and also my A prospects. But then I also thought, how can I reach these people all at one time? And I, I went to a directory of trade shows and found out go to different trade shows and It'd be a, a, a target-rich environment <laughs> since you yes. go there. That it's, it might be 500 of my key prospects in one room for three days, and I did. I would get the exhibitor's manual, go through there. I'd plot my uh, my time in different uh, meeting, different people, set up appointments where I could. So it's that gets back to your, your concept about persistence of doing that. But if you can organize your buyers, prioritize them, start off with those. That, that if you lose a sale, it's no big deal, but it, you start getting a little bit more confidence. Hmm. And you get, so that, that's what's going, that then we call on your larger buyers and you have that, um, that ability. So it's, if you can, more, more that you can do that, that you, you have that confidence that you, you can make it work. So when you in front of that buyer at a, at a, you know, that says, okay, I want 10,000 of your books. And when can you, when can you deliver them? And then you can look them in the eye and say that here's what the price is. And I'm probably over answering your, your question, but I think that if you can start out small, 
and then build up. That that's the best thing. Don't 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 go to the top buyer and then and then all the pressures on you to sell ten thousand books or go broke. Then that's first. That's not going to be fun. Second of all, you won't be as good. And third of all, you won't have as much knowledge about the buyers. You know, I heard from a publicist friend of mine, you know, a while ago, she was like, don't try to get on Oprah's couch, you know, straight out of the gate, get on a local radio show or a small TV show first, like get your, you know, get your legs, get comfortable talking, get comfortable, you know, in this, in this aspect, you know, marketing and selling and having those conversations, get comfortable small and then you can go, then you can go much bigger. I would ask people, people said to me, I asked what their marketing plan was. And so to get on Oprah and sell 20 million copies. And I, actually, I used to call it the phantom of the Oprah. <laughs> it's just, it's never going to happen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Definitely a needle in a haystack kind of thing for yep. sure. So um, let me ask you this thing, because we're just have a few more minutes left. Sure. Um, I would love for you to share how you've grown what you do from, you know, doing it for yourself to teaching other people how to do it, writing books about it, you know, consulting with people how to do it, but now you actually can help people do it. So can you talk about that for a moment before I ask you one more question and we wrap up? Sure. I, I just uh, I got to the point where I was doing this uh, for other people, but it, was, it wasn't scalable. It's not something that I could build and really help a lot of people because it took a lot of time. So I partnered with a, a guy in the promotional products industry he had 20 some years in it. I had at that point, 20 some years in, in, in the publishing industry. So we combined forces and now we, we work through a national network of about 40, about 50,000 salespeople now that uh, sell to these non-retail buyers. So we put books in the catalog and get it to, to these buyers and they go out and sell them. So it's, it's something that the, the author, the publisher does not have to do, particularly if they're not familiar with it. We can do that for them. Perfect. Or if they want, if they want to do it themselves, then I can also uh, coach them through the process too. And if you're listening and you're like, oh, I want to know more about this, uh, just head over to the show notes where we will have the information and you can link um, over to Brian's website and learn more about you know what he does, how he does it. I know we have some of our publishing clients. I had Brian recently be my guest for a publishing mastermind for my publishing company and our clients. And a few of them have already you know contacted him and are going to be working with him to have their books listed so that they can, you know, get exposure to these opportunities to sell, you know, thousands of books at once, which is what our topic is today. So I would encourage you to head over to the show notes to take a look and uh, be able to, you know, reach out and learn more about Brian and see if he might be able to help you sell thousands of books at once, because that would be pretty flippin' awesome if you ask me. I mean, what author wouldn't want that, right? That's right. And I just want to say real quick, for those of you who aren't yet authors, but you may be in that stage of where you're you know, working on your book, maybe even working on it for years or decades, and it's just not coming along like you want it to. I am currently taking interviews for people in my Get Your Book Done six-month accelerator program. So if you you know, feel like it might be beneficial to have a coach like me and be working in a community, being held accountable to your you know, goals that you have for yourself in your book then uh, please just check out christinecloser.com forward slash accelerate. Um, and all the details about the Accelerate program is, is available there. I am doing interviews now because we have some spots open. So that's if you're on the writing side. If you're already done, the book is out and you want to sell thousands, then you would need to go over to show notes and connect with Brian over there. So Brian, what is the most 
important thing you want our listeners to walk away with today when it comes to specifically this aspect of non-retail sales where they can sell many books to one company or one institution? What's the most important thing you want them to walk away with about doing that? I think three points you made before that one, think of who else that, that can buy your, your, your content. You're selling your content to people and trying to solve their problems. Second, be persistent. And third, be creative. I think those, those three points, if you can do that and start off with the sort of local and, and build up your confidence and sell to non-retail buyers where there are no returns, I think you can make a significant revenue from that. Perfect. So I don't know when you said that I heard this, like, who else wants to be a millionaire kind of a line. It's like, who else wants to buy, you know, thousands of copies of my book, who else needs to read this and really put on that creative hat as you heard from Brian, because there are opportunities that you don't even know of case in point, you know, what you talked about with the prisons. It's like, you had no idea that was even a target market. And, you know, it wasn't in your scope of when you were like looking creatively, but it landed on you. And I think the more open we are as authors to the possibilities of who we might be able to impact with our work, we open the door to those kinds of serendipitous or synchronistic sort of moments and opportunities to happen to serve more people. So thank you so much, Brian, for being here today and for taking the time to talk with us about this topic. I feel like some of you might need to listen to the podcast episode again, maybe catch some of those other resources that uh, Brian had listed earlier. And some of you will probably reach out to him and have a conversation because you, you're serious about like, wow, I need to explore this now that you know that it's possible to sell thousands of books to one buyer. So I wish that for all of you. And again, if your book isn't written yet, you need that help, just head over to christineclosure.com forward slash accelerate to learn more about what I've got going on right now for you. All righty, everyone. Well, thank you so much, Brian. And thank you all for being here and listening and for being the kind of person who takes the time out to support your dream. Listening to this Get Your Book Done podcast you're doing it because you are supporting yourself in this dream of writing your book, getting it published, and making your mark on the world with your message. So I'm thankful that you're here, and I certainly look forward to being with you next time. Between now and then, of course, happy writing, everyone. We'll talk with you next time. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Get Your Book Done. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to everything we talked about today. And if you want my help with your book, head over to christinecloser.com to learn more and get a free copy of my book, The Transformation Quadrant, which will show you how to blueprint your book in 15 minutes or less. The Get Your Book Done podcast is where the leading conversation is happening for transformational authors everywhere. And I'm grateful you tuned in.